that I'm in your midst. Serious, isn't it? I mean, he's really here. If we gather, if we gather in his name, he's here. I mean, we can't see him. We might not feel him, but he's here. He's here among his people. And 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 it's just an awesome thing to know that. So I'm gonna begin today. Let me get my glasses on first. I'm going to continue today. I'm going to be speaking on spiritual growth again. Pastor Brian has been speaking on this for the past few weeks and uh, been doing an awesome job with it. And I thought I would continue today along that, along that line. And I want to begin today in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. If uh, I guess we'll get, yeah, here we go. Verse 9 says this, Know ye not, or in my own words, do you not know, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Effeminate is just a word pretty much, uh, pretty much trans. Y'all know the truth about it. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. And that right there, you can read that anywhere you want to in any other translation, pretty much. I'm reading today from the King James, and, and it's homosexuality. It's really what it is. It's homosexuality. Abusers of themselves with mankind. Nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now let me say, if, if we practice this type, any of these things, and, and you know, uh, the Apostle Paul here just kind of lumped them all in one big basket, didn't he? So if we continue in this type of a lifestyle, what the writer is saying here you know, we're not going to share in the kingdom of God. But that's the bad news. And I'm not going to say a whole lot about that because I'm, I'm believing that God has better things for us. Because when we read the very next verse, He says, And such were some of you. So I can look down in that basket of, of, of wrongdoing there, and I can probably find myself in there somewhere. Probably every one of us could if we would be honest. And he said, but such were some of you, but ye are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
Thank God for that. Now I want to tell just a little story here, and then I'm going to come back to that, and we're going to talk about that just a little more. There's a family that you all are all familiar with. Supposedly the, it was, the setting was somewhere in the Ozark Mountains, and they were known as the Beverly Hillbillies. Everybody heard of the Beverly Hillbillies, I'm sure. They lived in abject poverty. They ate all kinds of, you know, boiled possum and, 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 and whatever. Hog jowls, you name it, they ate it. Right? So as the story goes, Uncle Jed was out shooting for some food and up through the ground came a bubbling cruise. You know the story. And that family got rich overnight, didn't they? Oil. I mean, they had all kinds of oil on their property. So they became very rich overnight. So they were convinced by some of the relatives to move west. So they loaded up all of their belongings on their old jalopy truck, and they headed to Beverly Hills, California. What a story. This might be Brian's water, but I'm going to drink some of it. And they moved to Beverly Hills, and they bought a big, giant mansion. They got a banker to take care of all their money for them. But here's the problem. They just kept living like they always did. They kept eating the same old foods. They kept eating hog jowls and possum and all those country foods that they'd been eating. They kept wearing all the old tattered clothes that they'd always worn. And they still drove around Beverly Hills in the old junk truck they had. So I said all this, all of that to say this. They never really understood what they had. They didn't really know. They were millionaires and they were living like complete paupers. They didn't know what they had. It's a whole lot, lot, a whole lot like us Christians sometimes. We have all these blessings from God above. As the Bible says here, we've been washed. We've been cleansed. We've been sanctified. We've been justified. But oftentimes we just walk around and we live like we always lived. We wear the same old tattered clothes. We drive the same old junky cars, spiritually speaking. We don't really understand what God has done for us. Now that's sad, isn't it? That's really sad because we need to grow beyond that. We need to grow beyond that. I mean, if we've been cleansed, if we've been washed, if we've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we need to rise beyond that. We need to move on, as Brian's been preaching about, and not live like we used to live. We don't have to. We don't have to. We don't have to eat the same old foods, wear the same old clothing, drive the same old truck, because God has better things in store for us. Let me read you something else here. I read this uh, in a little book that I had at home. It said, only a few Christians actually make a success in spiritual growth. 
In fact, some Christians who have been saved 30 or 40 years seem to, be, seem to have regressed rather than progressed. I believe God wants us to grow. In fact, 2 Peter 3 and 18 says this, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So God has given us a mandate to grow. It's only the natural thing to do is to grow. As we become Christians, we need to grow. Now let's go back and look if Destiny will put verse 11 back up there for me in, in uh, chapter 6, verse 11. And such were some of you. As I said before, we all could probably find ourselves somewhere in that bag of wrongdoing and those things that the apostle was telling us about there. We could probably find ourselves somewhere in there, but I think, and I was probably in there. I have no doubt I was in there. We probably all was in there because the Bible said we all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God has done something for us. He has made us something and brought us somewhere beyond that. He said, and such were some of you, but you are washed or you are cleansed. How were we cleansed? We were cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Cleansed by the blood. Washed in the blood. The blood is such a powerful thing. I don't really understand. You know, you know it, the blood sacrifice was something that God ordained from the beginning. And, and the Bible plainly tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now under the Old Covenant, we understand that animals were slain and blood sacrifices were made. There was a day of atonement in which the high priest went in once a year and made atonement for himself and for all the people. And that was considered a covering. It was a blood covering. Now don't get me wrong, we still are covered today, but we are so much more than that. We are not only, I like to think of a covering as putting shoe polish on a big scratch on your shoes. After a while, it'll, the scratch will show back up. Same way with a, a covering of the blood. When, when the people were covered by the blood, it, it didn't last very long. It lasted for one year, right? Then it had to be done again, over and over and over again. Every year on the Day of Atonement, the sacrifice was made, a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. But now through Jesus Christ that shed His blood on the cross, once and for all, our sins have been remitted which means they have been removed as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. A big difference. A big difference. They don't appear every year. They don't show up every year. They're gone for good. And you and I need to know that, and we need to live like that, knowing that we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Oh, 
The blood is such a powerful thing. The apostle Peter said, we've not been redeemed by corruptible things such as gold and silver, but by the precious blood of Christ. How precious it is. It's a most precious thing that a man would die for us while we were yet sinners and give his life for you and I in such a fashion. So we are cleansed. We are cleansed. Now let me make another point here. And such were some of you, but ye are. You are. There's three times right there the word ye are is used. Now that's present tense. Am I right? That's present tense. That don't mean will be. That means it's already happened. That means that now I am, the, I am covered, I am cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not that I'm going to be, it's that I already am. If you're saved, you're saved. Amen. You know, I, I, I've heard a lot of people say, well, we're all just sinners. I hear that. That's a bad message. We're not all sinners. The Bible don't say that we're all sinners. I hear people say, well, we're just old sinners saved by grace. You can't be both. You get what I'm saying? Amy, you understand? What? You can't be both. You can't be cleansed in the blood. You can't be saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. You can't be saved and be a sinner at the same time. That's a bad message to send because we are not sinners. We are the children of God, the Bible says. He said in the book of John, It doth not yet appear what, shall we, we, what we shall be like, but we will see Him as He is. He's called, Behold, are, all of us are the children of God. So we're no longer sinners. We are. You are. We are. Washed. Also here he talked about sanctified. Now, for most of my early church life, people taught sanctification as a process that you've done. Janet, I'm sure you remember that. Now, now you're, you're saved. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to work on getting sanctified. You've got, you got to do this and that and... You know, certain things you're going to have to do to get sanctified. See, that's not good message either. You can't sanctify yourself, right? You can't do it. You're sanctified. The Bible says here, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Sanctification is a word that means you're set apart. You're made legitimate. I mean, you're made a son of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You needn't to doubt that. Sometimes I think we need, to, we need to get up in front of the mirror and we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, thank God I'm a son of God, been born again, been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, been made a new creation in Christ Jesus, and tell ourselves that. That's a confession we need to make. 
I mean, the Bible says we're overcomers by the word of the Lord or by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb. So I think we need to make that confession on a regular basis. We need to tell ourselves who we are. Not what we used to be, but it's what we are now. Such were some of you, but now you're this. It's not about what we were. It's about who we are. And it's about where we're going. Thank God. I mean, God's got good things for His people today, and I believe that. So we're justified. Let me tell you what the word, you probably know this, most of you know this. Justified, in, in Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, we are established as just by the acquittal from guilt. Justified. Or it's just as if I never done it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That I was over there, now I'm over here, and it's just as if I didn't do any of those things. <laughs> That's awesome, church. That is so awesome. I mean, I was so lost and I was undone without God, but now I'm saved, thank God, and I'm on my way to heaven, not because of what I've done, but because of what He's done. Hallelujah. I appreciate God. We need to appreciate God more for what He's done for us. We take it so many times just for granted. I was driving somewhere the other day. Well, I know where I was at. I was in Barbersville. I'd left Patty at the mall. <laughs> I was going to Kroger, I think. And I had my radio on, and, and I was... I was listening to uh, I was listening to Christian music as I'm pretty much all the time do. And Amy, the the song came on, uh, the goodness of God, one of my favorites anyway. And I was just driving along and I was listening to that, and it come to the line where it says, "I've known you as my father." <laughs> Golly, and I've known you as my friend. And there's just something about that, and I've heard that so many times. And that just hit me. And there was, there was just a response that came up out of me that, that, that was uncontrollable, kindly. I mean, I just came out with a shout because it just was a revelation to me that surely, God, you are my father, you are my friend. It's just an awesome thing to know that we have somebody like that as our father and he's our friend. He's a very present help in our time of need. Mercy. So let me move on. I'm taking too much time. I know I am. So I looked at this, at this walk with God as... A spiritual, a spiritual journey. It's kind of like a trip, isn't it? We start out, and you know, my destination and my main goal is heaven. I'll just be honest about it. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll soon be 70 year old. 
And, and uh, that's my main goal. I mean, I love life. Don't get me wrong. And God's blessed us with a good life. But I surely, my main goal is getting over on the other side, right? I'm kind of like Abraham when, uh, when he left, when he, left uh, he left his homeland. God sent him out to the promised land and it said, he got down there and he was, he was wandering around with, with his two sons, Isaac and Jacob, who were also heirs of the same promise. And he said they were living in tents. And, and the scripture says in, in, the, in the book of Hebrews, he said, By faith, he looked for a city who had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. And I thought that's so amazing way back then that Abraham was looking for the same city that you and I are looking for. I mean, John saw it coming down from heaven as a bride pre- prepared for her husband. A beautiful city that God has prepared for you and I. But we just got to keep walking, don't we? We got to keep moving on by faith and keep moving forward and someday we'll get there. So I've seen it kind of as a trip. If you go on a trip, you have to prepare, don't you? I, I remember, I've got stories today. I don't know why I came up with all this, but Patty and I have been out west several times. Charlie and Lisa's been out there several times. Some of you, rest of you might have too. I just know about them. But the first time we decided to go out there, I mean, it's an awesome thing to do. I mean, you have to kind of, and I'm kind of comparing this to, to our, our journey to heaven. We had to make a lot of preparations to make that trip, if you know what I mean. I mean, there was a lot of unknowns along the way. You get it? There is unknowns in this walk. You never know what's, what's going to trip you up down the road somewhere. You never know what you might have to face tomorrow. I mean, you've got to be prepared for what you might have to face tomorrow because you never know. Life is filled with uncertainties. So we was getting ready for this trip, and, and, and I'd never been west of the Mississippi River. I didn't really know what to expect. So I got my, I got my road map out. Sometimes you've got to get you. Sometimes you've got to get your road map out. Right here's your road map. Sometimes you've got to get the map out. So I had to get the road map out. And I had to start kind of charting the way we was going to go. So, so, so we didn't know if we was going to be able to find motels. I later learned after our first trip that, that I could book. See, you can't book a trip. You can't, Charlie, you can't book a trip today for a motel 15 days from now because you don't know where you're going to be. Right? We're driving by car, see? And, and, and so you, you can't book. We packed a tent. <laughs> we packed lawn chairs. I don't know how the car held everything. We packed coffee pots. 
We thought we might get out there somewhere, Charlie, and wouldn't be able to find a place to stay. We might have to go to a campground or, or pull off the side of the road. We didn't know what to expect. So we was making some preparations for the journey. Here was another thing I thought of. When you go on a trip, you, I, I always set some boundaries for myself. There was one thing that I, I never wanted to do with traveling out west. I did not want to go through Chicago. I just didn't want to drive through that, through that area. Whatever it took, I wanted to miss Chicago. I just, I just had a thing about Chicago. I guess I, I see so much about it on the news that it just scares me to think about even getting inside of Chicago. Somebody might slip up and knock me in the head or shoot me or anything in there. So I didn't want nothing to do with Chicago, so I had some boundaries on my trip. You and I have to make some boundaries on our journey as well. You can't just go anywhere. You, you, let, me, let me give you a good illustration. Now one time, and Patty wasn't with me this time, I had my sister with me. I'd been to Florida. And I was coming up Interstate 75 through Atlanta, Georgia. Has anybody ever driven through Atlanta, Georgia? It's not very fun, is it? And it was nighttime. I was using my navigation. So I was just coming up through... through uh, Atlanta, I was on Interstate 75. I was going to drop my sister off back over in Kentucky. That's the only reason I was coming up 75 through Atlanta anyway. So I was just driving along. And I looked up and it said, Interstate 84, Birmingham, Alabama. Or something like that. I thought, I'm on the wrong road. I didn't even have an idea I was on the wrong road. Jason, I was just driving along, and she was in the back seat. We were just talking, having a big time, and here I go. I'm 20 miles out, way out west somewhere. I'm heading toward Birmingham, and I need to be going north. As Brian preached the other day. I need to be going north to Chattanooga, and I was going west to Birmingham. So I said, I said well, I've got to turn this thing around. So I turned it around. I finally got back over to 75 and I headed north. Now here's the thing. Here's the message in that. I could have ignored those signs and went right on. I could have ignored Josh. All those red lights are flashing up in front of me and it went right on to Egypt. You get my point? I could have went right over into Egypt, the shores of the world, and just kept it going, ignoring all the signs before me. Thank God I turned around. And here's another thing. I probably, I, I'm sure that my navigation was telling me all along, you know how it talks to you. She was probably saying, keep right, keep right, keep right one mile ahead. I was distracted. <laughs> I 
My sister was in the back, and she loves to talk, and I do too. And we were just carrying on the conversation. My brother-in-law, poor thing, was sitting over here not saying a word. And I was lost and didn't know it. I got distracted along my journey. See, you can't allow distractions to get you off your path. You've got to stay focused. So there's some boundaries. You got to set them. You got to set them. We get distracted. We got to turn around sometimes. You know what they say about high water? Turn around. Don't drown. If you get on the wrong path, if you get back over where you don't supposed to be, turn around. Don't drown. Don't stay on that path. Turn around and get back on Interstate 75 and head north. I've got to move on. Turn with me to 1 Peter. I've got to hurry. I'm way behind schedule here. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, excuse me, all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. A growing process. The Apostle Peter here is telling us as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, most of us have had newborns. A lot, of, a lot of folks, Patty and I are taking care, or helping take care of our great-grandbaby right now. And, of course, she's not a newborn anymore, but most precious thing ever. I mean, it's awesome. But a lot of folks, a lot of parents, when they, when they have a newborn, you know, they make preparation for it, don't they? They'll paint the rooms and, and put in nice furniture and... But you know a baby really don't care about none of that stuff. You know what it wants about every four hours? Milk! It has such a desire for milk. I mean, it'll scream to the top of its lungs. It desires milk and that's about it. That's, that's what the apostle here is telling us. As a newborn baby desires milk, he said, you need to desire the Word of God. The Word of God will help us to grow. It will cause us to grow. So what happens with the Word? 
Faith comes by hearing. I mean, our faith grows by hearing the Word, right? It's paramount that we receive the Word of God with meekness, as James says, which is able to save our souls. It's through the Word of God that our faith grows. Listen, if you get in the Word, the Word will get in you. This is the way it works. If you get in the Word, the Word will get in you, and when the Word gets in you, it will bring forth fruit. The Word will speak through you. The Word will work in you. You've heard the song, the, the Word is working mightily in me. The Word will work in us if we get it in us. The Word will bring illumination to our minds and give us better understanding. Paul prayed in the book of Ephesians that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul wants us to understand the Word of God and the blessings of Jesus in this walk that we have with God. So the Word will illuminate our way. Revelation chapter 7, I don't know if any of you has ever read Revelation or not, but in, in Revelation, I think it's chapters 2 and 3, he talked to the seven churches of Asia. At the end of every one of those letters that were written to each church, here's what he said. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. See, we can't just be hears only but we got to be doers it all works together but we got to hear we got to receive the word of God and also from that we get revelation and revelation is is a basic part of who we are I think it was in 16th chapter book of Matthew when the disciples were talking to Jesus and he said to them he said who do men say that I am? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, maybe. Some even says, well, he's Jeremiah or some other prophet. Jesus said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter, you know, he speaks up and he says, thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. And you know what was fascinating about that? Jesus turns to us and says, Peter, flesh and blood, or, or human reasoning, has not revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So I'm saying that to say this, that almost everything we receive from God, we receive it through revelation of Him. He reveals things to us. And it's through revelation that our knowledge is increased, right? Okay, let me move on to 1 Corinthians. One more step. One more step that we need to... Uh, First Corinthians 10. That's not right. It's Hebrews 10. I'm sorry. 
Okay, Hebrews 10. Destiny's got it. I know she does. Verse 24 says this. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Very important thing to understand today. And, and I never realized so much until I was studying this, and this was just a part of, of, of my lesson as I was preparing this, necessary for proper growth in Christ, is, is assembling together. One, one article I read about this said, Gather, grow, and go. And, it, and, it, and it's so important and, and I, like I said, I never realized the importance that, that the writer here, probably Apostle Paul, not sure, probably Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, and, and how important, and the importance he was putting on this verse of Scripture concerning strength and vitality and, and, and growth in the church. As a matter of fact, if you look right on down, and, and I never gave her this Scripture, but verse 6 or verse 26 talked about people that were, uh, actually they had come to the point that they were pretty much just throwing Jesus down. They had developed a, an attitude of contempt for Jesus and actually they were renouncing the faith and the Christian values. And that, that was following verse 25. And he was so concerned about the importance of assembly and gathering together that, 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 that this was bringing on some bad stuff for individuals. So God has ordained community, church. There's just no doubt about it. There's nowhere in the scripture that the Bible teaches living on an island. We just don't do good living on an island. We've got to stay within a flock. Why do you suppose that Jesus told the shepherd to leave the 99 and go get the one? He said, you leave the 99 and you go out and get the one. Because... The 99 within the fold or within the herd or within the flock, as sheep are called, were more safe than the one that was out there in nowhere land wandering around by itself. The book of Peter says this. He said that the, the devil goes around. Let me get it right. Be sober, right? Be sober, be vigilant. The word vigilant means what? Watchful. Watchful. Be watchful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is going around seeking whom he may devour. Now, I've heard a lot of people make light of that. Well, you know, the devil don't have, I mean, the, this, this lion don't have no teeth and... and, and you know, 
but it's important. If it hadn't been important, Peter wouldn't have told us to be sober and be vigilant. Here's the thing about a lion. I'm sure you've watched enough uh, shows on TV. A lot of animal shows. I've watched many of them. When a lion, Chris, is looking for prey, it picks something that is weak or one that has strayed from the herd. Always. It's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be. Out away from the flock. My advice is, and, in, and, and, and it's in this flock here, that we receive strength and we, and we receive help from God. I mean, it's just important to stay within assembly or stay gathered together because it's dangerous to get out by yourself because that's where you fall into all these traps. That's where the devil tries to get you, right? Isolation. Isolation. Not a good place to be. So Paul here is telling us, you know, it's not, he's not saying it's just a nice thing to do. He's saying this is what you need to be doing. And he's telling us that for, for our own good. See, when God tells us things, he's not trying to necessarily beat us over the head about it. He's telling us things that will help us through life. So here he's telling, he's telling us to, to, to assemble. Assemble together because there is divine protection in the household of God. And there's something else about being in... You know, and, and, you know, I know a lot of people, they assemble in life groups. And that's good. That, that's a type of assembly. You know, there's strength in that. There's, there's some good in that. But most importantly, I believe God wants us to be where He's placed us in the house of God. In the household of faith. I mean, the Bible said that He has put every member in the body as it pleases Him, right? So it's real important. Amy. Come on, I'm about, I'm, about to, I'm about done. I'm not done, but I'm going about ready to quit here. And also, he told you and I to provoke one another, to love, encourage one another, and to help one another. Somebody's asleep. I hear them snoring from up here. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read you this. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. See, God has placed us all together in a body, that we can be supportive of one another, that we can help one another to grow, and, 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 and it gives us strength. There's strength in unity, isn't there? There just is. There's just strength in unity. Y'all ready to sing? Stand with us, if you will. 
you've, you've sat long enough. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much. Lord, that you have brought us this far. Thank you, Jesus, that you've cleansed us through your blood. You've saved us, God, through your blood. You've set us apart as your own. God, you're with us. You walk with us every day as we look to you. We thank you, Lord, for your help, for your support, for your kindness, God, that, that you are a father to us. Lord, that you are a friend to us, God. And you said you would never leave us. You said you would never forsake us. But you would be with us always, even to the end of the age. Thank you, Lord, that you're one that is called to go along beside of us. Holy Spirit is with us. Lord, you don't leave us comfortless, God, but you've sent your Spirit, God, to be our comforter and to be our guide, Lord, and to be our, to be our helper, God. At every hour of the day, even at the midnight hour, Lord, we thank you, God, that you come to our rescue, God, that you help us through this life. We depend on you, Lord, and we need you, and we thank you so much for all that you've done for us, God. We know that in this last day, Lord, that many... The scripture tells us that many have denied the faith, they've left the faith, and they've been seduced by evil spirits and doctrines of devils. But Lord, we know that in you we are strong. We can be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. We just thank you for it all today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as they sting, if, if anybody has anything you want to pray about today... You can come to the front. You can stand at your seat. I just, I just feel like we need to give God some praise, give God some worship for what He's done for us. I hope you appreciate Him today as much as I do. God has been so good to me that words cannot explain. Amy's going to sing my song. Thank you, Jesus.
mountain can't be They say these chains will never break But they don't know you like we do There is power in your name We've heard that there is no way through We've heard the tide will never change seen what you can do there is power in your name so much power in your name move the immovable break the unbreakable God we believe God we believe for it Take advantage of it.